Welcome. It's a happy hour. This is Titanic Minute, <laughs> your daily podcast where we discuss movie Titanic minute by minute. I'm your co-host Rob, and joined as always by my good friends Joe and Duff. Well, not always. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's good that we don't do these recordings all at once because every episode this week, Joe, we've heard you open a beer, but luckily there's a day between each one, so we know it's okay. Oh, what do you? How, how do you know it was I? How do you know it was I? Me that opened it, and not Duff. Because I can see the, because I could see the audio marks. <laughs> I, I was laughing because Duff opened a beer. Oh, okay. Duff, you're saying something. One beer a day is in line with the Surgeon General's recommendations. Five beers a day is not. So yeah, it's very good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's healthy, really. Uh, thanks for calling me out. I have to edit this. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, okay. In this minute, uh, Jack Jack's gonna write a complaint. <laughs> That's what happens in this. He's minute. a letter writer. <laughs> He's a letter writer. He, he becomes a 21st century political activist who yes. who uh, is like something bad happened. I'm gonna tear him apart on Yelp. I'm totally gonna <laughs> at them about this. Uh, so we have boats 10 and 12 and collapsible D that are being tied together here. You guys like that research? Um, I like that collapsible D. (laughs) (laughs) Penis. Officer Lowe is uh, transferring women into the boats. And guys, I have our 27th deleted scene of the movie. That's too many. There is. Would you like there to be? Well, less one one could scenes? argue. Yeah, one could argue that's not enough. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, there's a silly scene. He's sort of like, you know, having people transfer, right? He's seeing women in one boat, men in the other, and he says to a woman, "Not too quickly, madame." And then, when he does that, he sort of like pulls the shawl down and realizes it's a man. <gasps> yeah, and he yells at the so guy. So is it like a little comic relief here? It's not comic it's more of like hey and then it throws him back in the boat like you, you know it, it, it does it, it has no reason for existing it's sort That's, of like a story that exists that like oh men would dress up like women to be saved were they doing sort of a shakespeare it. production in the fifth the 16th century <laughs> no it's silly it's actually it was actually robin williams <laughs> Hold on. As, it's, it's actually robin williams as mrs doubtfire and she's like hello hello just got pile over her face. Um, Man, we make a lot of Mrs. Doubtfire references on the show. <laughs> we so do. there's some wacky gender antics yep. all of a sudden. That's that's the deleted scene. Back in the actual movie, we have this guy uh, with his Oscar Mayer wiener whistle uh, frozen in the ground, or for, on the ground, in the water. Now, Boy. guys, I have, I have something to admit here. This is a time of sharing, a time to say that sometimes we're wrong. You guys Go familiar on. with the concept of Chekhov's gun? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, will one of you explain it? If you see a gun in the first scene, you expect it to pay off later. That's correct. And so 
uh, in my notes, I have that uh, this whistle is kind of an example. Like, it's not really because we don't see in the first scene, but like we keep seeing this whistle. We know it's going to be part of this this sequence later on, right? So in my notes, I had like, oh, it's Chekhov's gun. Now, uh, I want to tell you guys something that I learned not recently, but too recently, if that makes sense. Like, not not this week, but in my adult life, I thought. Did, did you think it was Chekhov from Star Trek? I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely did, Duff. <laughs> Whenever I heard Chekhov's gun, I knew what it was. I knew exactly what you said, Joe. And I thought that there must because Star Trek is a huge blind spot for me. Like I, I don't know Star Trek, and, and and I've seen more Star Trek since. But before all this, like what you're talking, me in my twenties, I had seen zero Star Trek. Okay. And when people talked about Chekhov's gun, I thought. In like one of the early Star Trek episodes, Chekhov does something with his gun. <laughs> his, that I, it's uh, <laughs> it's actually Chekhov's phaser. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, I didn't realize until probably like within the last five years <laughs> that it's actually like a Russian playwright. Shout out to the Spooner Public School System. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not. Pavel Chekhov or whatever his name is from yeah. Star Trek. Not Walter Koenig. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Do you think I'm the only one who thinks that? No. I don't. There's no way you're the only one. Uh, honestly, like, my Star Trek knowledge is I've seen the first Star Trek movie, did not like it. I saw Wrath of Khan, liked that, and Which, I've seen... So you saw the first, like, the 1970-whatever one? The motion picture where I watched, yeah. like, a, I watched the Enterprise. It is boring. Like, it is oh a boring my God. movie. Just starship porn. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> just, you uh, just watch the Enterprise for like 40 minutes as it's like coming out of a bay. <laughs> yeah. It's Wrath of Khan is awesome. I love Wrath of Khan. I, from what I can gather, like Wrath of Khan ties together the best elements of the original star trek because you have you know this kind of goofy swashbuckling stuff but you also have a lot of philosophical questions and like one of the rare summer blockbusters to have emotional stakes at the end and then i did see like the first two jj abrams ones i like the star trek reboot for what it's worth i saw it once i enjoyed it diminishing returns with those i i i I enjoy I've seen the first two. I enjoyed the first one and hated the second one because yeah. the second one is just such a lazy ripoff of Wrath of Khan. Oh, you know what? I'm wrong. The first Star Trek mo- first Star Trek anything I ever saw is I went to the theater in college with some friends of mine to see Nemesis, and I had no idea what was happening. Like, I, I was just seen. like, what is going on I here? don't think I've ever seen any of the star trek movies other than the jj abrams or like since well, the reboot i don't think I'm go watch wrath of khan is good go watch wrath of khan because that's legitimately great and you and do not need there to are see other the ones one in the there are other ones that are good though in that original it's every uh, other trash. one i think is how yeah i heard that's the real thing. uh star trek 4 is awesome because explaining the plot makes you sound like you're some greenpeace fanatic like that's yeah the one doesn't about- it involve like saving whales yeah, the premise is that uh, in the future we've caused whales to go extinct, and this probe shows up that is inadvertently crippling the planet, and no one can communicate with it because it uses a frequency that only whales speak. 
and so they Kirk and Kirk and the gang are like, "Oh, okay. We'll go back in time to 1980 something San Francisco and get some whales." What? That is Star Trek 4 and it's I it's, I like that. I like it's, that premise. No, it's it's fun and it's there's a lot of fish out of water comedy like Oh, interacting with 20th century technology. <laughs> back back to Titanic, guys. You ready to go back to Titanic? Sure. Okay. Um, Jack's still alive. Rose is trying to nap. Um, <laughs> the long nap. <laughs> yeah, she mentions how quiet it's getting. We have optimistic Jack, as we mentioned yesterday, actually right this time about how long it'll take the boats to get organized. Like, oh, they got to, you know, he's totally right. Like, yeah, they, they do have to do that. Um. He has this funny line. I think can we all agree this is a funny line about the writing a strongly worded letter to the White Star Line. I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's solid. Joe, can you tell our listeners about the time you wrote a strongly worded letter to the Milwaukee Bucks NBA franchise? Okay, well, I'm a big hoops fan. I'm a hoops head. Yeah, yeah. I've been going to Bucks games uh, since I moved back to Wisconsin from California. So since the mid mid, mid to late nineties. And uh, in the in from the time I came back here until I'd say like the mid aughts into the late aughts maybe, they had a house band. Can you believe this? <laughs> You're gonna get so triggered. Uh, an NBA team, the National <laughs> Basketball Association, a franchise at their home games had a house band. <laughs> And, like, the most damning moment was when the same house band, Street Life, and I'll fight any one of them. Street Life. <laughs> Actually, it's Warren Regrets. Warren Regrets, if anyone knows him, I want I still want to fight him. I, I, and I, I've never been in a fight before in my life. But I hate Warren Regrets more than anyone in the world. And he's the guy behind Street Life? He's the saxophone player. <laughs> you, you, you could still see him from time to time doing the national anthem. I haven't seen him at a Brewer game for a while, or, and I, I would imagine the Bucks have excommunicated him. Uh, and he also has a – so basically it's a wedding band, which I don't mean that to sound dismissive, but maybe it is. Maybe no. I do mean to be dismissive. I mean, wedding bands usually suck, let's be honest. They're not usually good. Yeah, but I just don't want to be cruel and mean. But, but let's just understand the, the stakes here. For yeah, they didn't do. They actually for a while did pretty much every single Bucks game. So for forty-one NBA basketball games a year, so they they had a house, a house band that also would play local festival like local church festivals and weddings. <laughs> and during like breaks in the action, when other NBA franchises like in the early aughts were playing like Dr. Dre and. I don't know, and then like a, a bit after that, like Kanye and stuff. This band would come in with like Red Hot Chili Peppers covers, <laughs> like every single game. They, they they so they only knew like six or seven different songs. One of them was like Love Roller Coaster. They would also cover two different Lenny Kravitz songs every Bucks game. I would sit and listen to this awful band, angry and irate. And there'd be these moments of the Bradley Center where they would play like. Uh, God, like a Lenny Kravitz cover, and then they'd finish, and then the PA announcer would go, Street Line! <laughs> and then I would just go, Boo! <laughs> and I'd literally be the only person out of the 11,000 Bucks fans in the Bradley Center making any noise. I hate them. I hate them now. I hated them then. 
I went to a wedding and Street Life was the wedding band. Oh no. Can I even put, I can't put into words how funny I found this. I'm like, I'm at a wedding reception and Street Life is the band. And actually as a wedding band, eh, they're fine. Okay. Broader set list. They didn't play the same songs they play at Bucks games and they, they, they were okay. But your expectations are low for that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just learn how to play piano man and the, do the chick, chicken dance and the typical wedding stand. So here's this. This gets us into this. Oh, yeah. You're you're getting married. Maybe you should get street life for your wedding. Uh, I'd rather, um, I would sooner become a priest. (laughs) (laughs) So I, after this wedding, I just happened, I was just like, it's, I, I up until the wedding, I didn't know that they did weddings, and then I just was so embarrassed for Senator Cole and the Bucks organization. It's like instead of just paying like fifteen cents per song to just have your PA system play recorded songs or whatever, the it's probably more than that, but whatever it is to just play songs because I know you do have to pay to do that in the stadium. Yeah, they hire a wedding band. And and I know that someone took our po- poor like five foot two elderly senator and told him it's way cooler to have a live band. <laughs> and then it's so I uh, I was like I'm gonna Google this band, and I wanted to find out how much it costs to hire them for your wedding. And I was just in my head I was just thinking, I wonder if it's cheap enough where I could hire them to play a party, and then instead me and all of my friends would heckle them the entire time until they left. So I found the email. And I'm sending this to, like, the vice president of the Bucks. This is August 6, 2008. Okay. Um, I was browsing... uh, Greetings. I was browsing around the interweb, and while checking my electronic (laughs) mail, I noticed a Google ad for the local musical act Street Life. Once I wiped away the blood that immediately began pouring out of my eyes and ears, I breathed in deeply and clicked on the link. Much to my chagrin, I noticed that there was a short paragraph on their website imploring fans to email you and campaign for them to play during more home games this season. This cannot stand. I've been a Bucks fan my entire life and have attended at least 10 games per year for the last decade or so. Despite the struggles of my beloved Bucks during many of these years, I've enjoyed my trips to the Bradley Center. However, there's been one constant thorn in my side that has sent me into a state of pure rage several times a game. Street life. (laughs) Street life is a very definition of lame. They're terrible. I can't imagine why anyone in your organization or any fan of the Bradley Center would consider listening to this wedding band play Love Roller Coaster 41 times a year to be fun. They've been playing the same songs for 10 years. Listening to them cover Levy Kravitz for the 200th time makes me feel like I'm in one of the Russian roulette scenes in The Deer Hunter. (laughs) This needs to stop. Tell Street Life to go back to playing weddings and church festivals full time. An iPod costs less than you guys pay Michael Red to double knot his shoes every, before every game. <laughs> if you agree to stop hiring Street Life to ruin basketball games, I will gladly mail you a Best Buy gift card to help cover the cost of this electronic device that can be used to play music <laughs> that doesn't make me want to kill myself. Thank you for your time. Oh, I remember that. This bitch wrote me back. Oh. Here's a proposition. I'll build you a 10-game bucks ticket package that will not include street life appearances, guaranteeing you a fantastic night out of basketball and entertainment by your standards, and I'll throw in a $25 iTunes gift card to help build your preferred music collection. You do not have to send me a Best Buy card. (laughs) 
Let me know if you you're in, and we'll send you gun. game choices and make it easy. We have improved our team this season already with new talent on the roster and a new GM and head coach. Let me tell you, folks, that didn't work out. <laughs> I'm not sure 10 games will be enough for you, so I'll throw in two additional Bucks games of your choice free. Actually, this is a, that actually is a pretty good deal. Uh, <laughs> Streetlift doesn't play 41 games anymore, so hopefully making you an offer you can enjoy. Looking forward to hearing from you soon. And uh, I said... Okay. Oh man, this is I got a little mean. I'm glad my snarky email wasn't placed in a digital trash bin. Three years ago I would have taken this offer immediately and gleefully danced about my room, but since my dad bought season tickets a few years ago, my privilege is shining through here. I'm really in need of tickets. However, if he decides not to renew at some point, I'll I'll be sure to gl- take advantage of your street life free package. Honestly though, why do you employ a band that bills itself as quote the number one wedding band in Milwaukee, end quote, and is desperate enough to list your email address and the address of one of your colleagues to try to get more work doesn't that annoy you (laughs) do you really get that much positive feedback about them in the surveys and pulling pulling you do uh and so on i went on from there but i i think i own them again uh and then he he follows this you might find it hard to believe but the NBA entertainment maven stress, and most teams follow the mantra of wedding music is all we should seek. Wedding music in the sense that it gets everyone dancing, gets people in a good mood, and generally creates a good wedding reception mood. Dude, oh my god. Like, what, a, what an idiot. So, like, he's just like, well, wedding music is what we should be shooting for because it makes everybody happy. Well, I've been to a lot of wedding. Most people in there aren't dancing. Only the drunk people are. You gotta, you gotta love when people openly shoot for the lowest common denominator. Okay, so he he's like, could you imagine? Uh, actually, there's a typo, How but many whatever. I'll, back and forth and a few, yeah. Straight could line. you imagine programming a TV show or radio station for fans that are six to seventy six years old? He so he's basically, yeah, he, he got pretty defensive here, and I, I didn't remember this. I haven't read this in a long time. Um, <laughs> he's just basically saying we're trying to appeal to a Democrat that's 6 to 76 years old. So that's why we hired the number one wedding music wedding band in Milwaukee. Oh my God. God, this this ages poorly. At the time, I, re- I, I after this, I was just nice to him. I was like, all right, thanks. Uh uh, you make good points, especially concerning the impossibly wide demographic you must attempt to appeal to. My dad already renewed. If you ever want to find me, I'll be the guy banging his head into the railing every time Michael Red decides to dribble around for six seconds and then take a 20-foot jump shot. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend. You know your emails went around the office. There's no way they didn't be like, oh, man, he wrote back again. Look at this. Yeah, this, <laughs> was, this was like the highlight of the day. It's like, oh, Duelman wrote back again. Oh, sorry. Used your name. Joe yeah, Rovacs and everyone, all, all my students know already is fine. Yeah, I totally. Um, uh, sometimes you look back at, at emails you wrote as a lad. So I don't, actually, I wasn't really that. I was 26. <laughs> but uh, uh, I was very mad at this wedding band ruining all the games. And uh, within a couple, within a year or two after, like at that season, they played like I think half the games or maybe even less. Within a year or two after that, they were gone. They never yeah. played any games anymore. So I, and I, to this day, I, I still wonder if maybe it's because, because of me. Maybe you did it. You I really hope so. So, John, if you're listening, please write me up back to me again let me know was i the one that killed street life and if so can i have a, a spot on the bucks walk of fame <laughs> duff yeah do you have a sea monster for us i got a sea monster for you ah what is that 
see monster facts. This is uh, the viper dogfish, or also known as the viper shark. Okay. Not even going to pretend to pronounce the actual scientific name, but so this is a rare species of dogfish shark. Oh my god. So, <laughs> so I will send some images. Oh, oh, this is a bony fish right here, buddy. Oh boy. It looks That's... like he's got a nose ring. Those are fangs. Yes, they Tell are. Tell us about the viper dogfish. So this is, they have needle-like teeth. And extendable, oh extendable jaws that come down from like the, alien, exactly like alien. What? Uh, they come down from the neurocranium, and these things Ugh. also have photophores, which means they glow. Whoa! So they're so like deep sea fish. They migrate vertically, shifting between bottom waters, uh, eight hundred ninety to just under twelve hundred feet during the day and upper waters at night so they'll come up to about 500 feet below at night Hmm. so yeah these things literally are like the xenomorphs an alien and that their (laughs) jaw protrudes yeah it's freaky man i was trying to find like video footage of them doing it and the best i found was this animated gif that i think someone made who captured one and the reason they don't have the footage because oh. they're really, they're really hard to find because they're number one. They're like Rob just said, they're deep sea. They can really only grow to twenty-one inches, so they can slide out of nets. They've only been found near Japan, Taiwan, and a couple times Hawaii, oh. and they weren't even known until nineteen eighty-six. These so, are terrible. They're black too, and like awful looking man they're this is like the scariest thing i've ever seen so i do have an animated gif of uh they're a i think they're a subset of the the dogfish in general of the regular seen this thing yes so here's a gif he put in the he put in the google chat already that you don't pay attention to because you're too good for it so there's Ah! (laughs) oh this this is another one this is like oh that's the same thing? The one you no, sent us was way smaller. No, this is another is type of shark. Is this a narwhal? Shark. No, it's not a narwhal. That <laughs> is... Uh, oh, my God. So that is... Hold on. That's a different type of shark. We can't just send different sharks. Yeah, you well, get I was to showing, pick one monster at a time. <laughs> I was showing you an example of the extendable jaws going out. So okay, that's why. well, that is apt. Yes. All right. uh, feeding mainly on bony fishes, the viper dogfish captures prey by protruding its jaws and impaling them with its teeth. Ugh. It's impressive. It is, folks. Well, it's in our it's our screen grab for the. Yeah. Oh, it's, God. Uh, you we'll can't post... get this one of it moving at this blue jewel eye. Its impressive gape allows it to swallow relatively large fish whole. The skeletal and muscular structure of its head shows unique features that support this feeding mechanism, unlike that of other dogfish sharks. So there are dogfish sharks, and this is the viper dogfish. So this is like a subset of the dogfish. Wow. Oh, another another interesting sorry interesting thing. Uh, this this shark, it does not lay eggs. It actually uh, gives birth to live young, which is rare for fish. It is rare. 
Other than that, that doesn't make them a mammal. I do they have nipples? I don't know. <laughs> they the litter size is uh, generally fewer than twenty six pups. So imagine one of these just shooting out twenty six other <laughs> t- oh. terrifying monster fish. You know, the way fish breed, they don't have to worry about unplanned pregnancies. <laughs> what? Uh, like, oh my god! Like, if you're a male fish, you're not gonna accidentally do a bunch of stuff over by the eggs. It's just like, oh shoot, I busted. I got drunk. I, mean, I got drunk and went over by those I eggs mean, and messed the, around. The whole point in nature is to breed as much as possible to secure your bloodline. Well, I know, I'm just saying, if humans did that, we'd cut down on unplanned pregnancies. That's all I'm saying. I did want to read the best sentence from the Wikipedia on this. The viper dogfish has no economic value, much like a podcaster. (laughs) True. (laughs) So that's the sea monster. Terrifying. It's Jaws freaky, man. You're probably not going to run into one unless you're 500 feet below sea level near Taiwan. So that would mean if you're in the wreck of the week, you might end That's up in one. Uh, you should go to titanicminute.com slash newsletter, where we have our only listener, Caroline, who listens to these and sends out a newsletter about uh, what we talk about. We'll be back next week with a, oh, five whole new episodes of oh interesting Titanic. Guys, facts. there's only, what, a couple weeks here, left. Folks. Yeah, 25. We only have yeah, 25 episodes to go. Yep. Five weeks Yep. All right. Let's see if we can survive it. We'll be back. (laughs) Nope.